0: What's up, guys? I know a lot of you ask us questions, you know, would you rather be feared or loved? But I want both. I want you guys to be afraid of how much you love our podcast.
1: Yeah, and if you guys have been following along to a certain show, then you know exactly where that's from, and that's from The Office.
0: Yeah, um, nine seasons long, 201 episodes, I believe. Um I mean it was the first of its kind inspired parks and Rec uh brooklyn nine nine a few different spin of these kind of um documentary style uh fictional reality comedies
1: yeah, and for me, I personally like truly have. Been watching The Office for a long time. I think I watched the first or the second episode first. I remember just because of how polarizing it was, the diversity training one, (laughs) and was hooked ever since. And uh, Julian, where did you start with watching The Office?
0: I caught the, um, the safety episode or the fire episode after a Super Bowl one time. And it was right in the middle of uh, Dwight <laughs> heating up the handles to all of the escape r- or escape routes and seeing how responsive they were to their fire drill or fire protocol.
1: Yeah, and I think like episodes like that are just like a what the hell is going on. Especially if you don't know the characters, you know, people haven't been played out uh, for you or introduced to you and you're just getting thrown in there. it's kind of amplifies the... Uh, the joking and almost um, the satire of The Office and how all of these people are absolute caricatures. Yeah, and it's really unique
0: how they all work together and mesh so well, and the friendship goes beyond the show from what we've seen. Um, and it's just, yeah, the diversity in character types and the acting styles and how it was written. Everything comes together for a really
1: great time. And so for those of... The listeners that don't know exactly what The Office is and haven't watched it, how could you describe it? Um, well,
0: the one we'll be talking about is the U.S. office. Um, originally there was the U.K. office or the original office. Um, and it basically takes place in, you know, a paper company, a cubicle office style with a very extravagant, uh, leader and some interesting characters playing pranks and doing, you know, things that are somewhat relatable to the real life workforce.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a pretty good like surmising of what the office is just at the first glance. And then when you kind of, you know, get more comfortable with like what's going on in it, you find that um, it's all very it's it's all very foreign, but at the same time feels pretty natural. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it? I
0: would say it's very evergreen. Like you can watch it; like it ran from 2005 to 2013, but you can watch it now and relate to everything that's going on in there. Whether you're in an office job, you're in your first job, um, you have friends like this. There's a lot of things that connect with you, and you can see in different characters, or you know, everyone wants to be Jim,
1: or everyone thinks you know they have a boss that's like Michael or something along that lines. Yeah, exactly. And I think that personally if i worked there i would hate it just because of how horrible you know the work conditions are not like they're working in a sweatshop but as in the unpredictability and the sporadicness of you know the supervisors as far as michael goes and then just having to like kind of like you know work around these big big personalities like dwight and you know you have like andy Yeah, Stanley, (laughs) you know, it's just like in Kelly, just like so many people that, you know, just bring it in the (laughs) office. And I think that's what makes it such a strong show and uh, such a poor idea of real life.
0: Yeah. And what do you think, you know, makes Michael Scott Michael Scott? Like I've seen a lot of the tendencies in different jobs I've worked in, but the culmination of what is Michael Scott is something that's just almost hard to fathom without watching the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if I could describe it, I think Michael Scott is somebody who fully commits to believing <laughs> in himself, regardless of the circumstance, without question of doubt at all.
0: It's a, it's intriguing. Whoever wrote for the show did a very good job. or Steve Carell's input to what they improvise and you know how they built the character, but I to me like I'm not sure if Michael Scott. You know, he seems almost like the character that, you know, out of high school or first year college just went straight to the workforce and this kind of worked his way up to where he's at without the real proper job or boss training. He's trying to be the cool guy or the fun boss.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think everyone can relate to that person where they work or maybe they see this in themselves where, you know, the... The level of skill or ability required for that job increased before that person had that level of skill or ability, and so you have this quirkiness of you know this person who acts not how they should be acting, and it leads to very interesting experiences.
0: Yeah, and some of the interesting to me about The Office is that the first season wasn't extremely well received, uh, probably because it took a little bit to learn. You know, is first of its kind, um, kind of really going into that realm. So it probably took people a little bit to hang on to. But after that, it slowly picked up its pace and just started moving.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you can kind of see it by, you know, there's actually been some star power that's came through the office. Obviously, Steve Carell's the main one. John, John Krasinski. There's also people like Idris Alba and Will Ferrell who've been in the office that you're like, what? <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you have uh, you had like Odin Kirk was uh, in there for a while. I mean, Ed Helms is doing really well. Um, it's yeah, and this was all at the start of their career, so you kind of see a good progression. Like The Office, uh, where M- Michael Scott, Steve Crow, like his really coming out party was the forty-year-old virgin, and he was on The Office before that. So you kind of see the growth of these actors throughout the show as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. If there was a favorite episode for you, Julian, which one would it be?
0: Um, Season one, episode five, basketball. (laughs) I don't know why I find it so funny, but maybe because I played basketball and understanding like the jobs I've worked in, people always ask me about basketball. So I picture some of the games to be like how they play in their warehouse and Stanley wearing the full jumpsuit.
1: Yeah, that was a very good one. And it also describes just kind of the naivety of Michael Scott. And the fact the thing that really um, stands out to me in that episode is how he absolutely believes that Stanley can play basketball (laughs) and refuses to, you know... Like, doesn't want Kevin, doesn't, you know, doesn't, saving Oscar for baseball season. <laughs> like, just stuff like that that's just like, what the hell?
0: And then you have, and I mean, you're still warming up to Dwight at this point, right? Minister Schrute's a character that goes throughout the season, but
1: shows up to the basketball game and is wearing,
0: you know, the headband and face mask. With
1: the anime t-shirt and <laughs> yeah. then starts talking crap to the lady in the warehouse.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and you get to see uh, Jim throw one of the nicest... I think it's Jim throws one of the nicest passes in basketball history, right? Or saves it. Um, It's just a fun episode. It was one of the ones that kind of caught my attention.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one that stands out for me is uh, kind of like the the one that I first started on is Diversity Day, Diversity Training. And the thing that uh, is super hilarious is that... And it's a little relatable to me. Um, so there is a guy named Mr. Brown that comes into the office and is that adversity trainer. And so he's doing this. And Michael is, you know, just being Michael. And um, at one point, uh, like Michael asked, what's this guy's name? In the middle of the meeting and he's like you can call me mr brown (laughs) michael laughs and says first test i will not call you that (laughs) even though that's his name i love that part i think it's
0: in perspective it's kind of you know early 2000s 2004 like diversity is really kind of starting to come its way so it's like you know ahead of the game and I think it's something both you and I have come across or heard about in the workforce this this diversity training. And, you know, I would assume in Pennsylvania where they, you know, have this set up or other places that diversity training is very unique. Uh, and you have my, someone embodying it like Michael Scott, take it to the next level.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that that's kind of like it gives a reprieve from people of their own office or work life just knowing like it's always nice to know that it's worse somewhere else and granted it could be fake and totally fabricated but it's just uh it's i think it's relieving the show itself
0: and i think the other thing the show does really well if you haven't seen it is the relationship between dwight and jim um You know, you can tell that in some weird way they care for each other or try and help each other out. But at the same time, some of the pranks that they pull are incredibly funny. Like, I don't usually laugh out loud at shows, but there's multiple times, even through rewatching, that I'll just laugh out loud.
1: Yeah, is there one that particularly you enjoy the most? The one where Jim um,
0: gif-raps Dwight's... Desk and chair and everything, but it's nothing's really there. So when when Dwight goes to sit down, it all just falls apart and falls. Extremely clever and just the amount of work that takes to do that, I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, truly, it's um, it's almost uh, insane to see the level of pranks or like the level of pranking that goes on um, there's been impersonations before <laughs> there's been self-inflicted pranks to prank the other person like it's it's kind of extraordinary the lengths that these guys will go to to like you know one up the other
0: i wonder what it was like on set like obviously you know Dwight has to act out or Michael Rain has to or Rain Wilson has to act out these pranks but like the reaction they give is like it almost seems 100% authentic, and it just seems like a great time during those episodes where those highly extreme pranks are going on. Um, that everyone just having a great time.
1: Yeah, and I think there's evidence of that just by how the actors act outside of now not acting in the office and not being, you know, friends or coworkers in it. They still spend time with each other, and you could see that through social media. And so you could tell that the chemistry was there, and I think that's what helps it. Or help The Office become what it is.
0: What was your favorite prank in the saga of uh, Jim and Dwight?
1: Um, One that I really enjoyed personally. And it wasn't like the exact actual prank that I think I enjoyed the most. But there was a part where Jim and Dwight were having a snowball fight. <laughs> and... Uh, like the how it started Jim threw a snowball at Dwight in the office building because he called the snow a dusting, and then Dwight challenged him to a snowball fight. Dwight took it like really far, and then there was one point where Dwight pranked Jim by putting a gift, impersonating a gift from his wife and <laughs> opening it. It was a snowball mechanism that flung in his face, and then. The next scene, which is the funniest to me, is Dwight's showcasing of the multiple wigs that he has at the office. And, uh, like him, he has the Meredith one where it's just like this short little Bob Redhead cut on Dwight's head that I, I lost. I lose it every time I see it. It reminds
0: me of, um, if you guys are familiar with SpongeBob SquarePants, where SpongeBob and Patrick start this snowball fight with Squidward and Squidward goes overboard and makes, you know, the giant, Fortress and is waiting and trying to get his best shot. And um, yeah, really good dynamic. Doesn't he make put snowmen in the parking lot too?
1: Yeah, yeah, Dwight does. <laughs> and it's like, it's a, a total psychological. And even says it, he's like, maybe the greatest snowball is fear. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then uh, the, Dwight, I think. Arguably, Dwight is the most important character in the office, and one of my favorites. His relationship with Michael has always uh, been something very unique.
1: Yeah, so I would describe it as Dwight is probably a sycophant or like very obsequious to Michael. And the fact of he um, he's trying to be very ingratiating, so you know he's very there for Michael, very very present. Like, you know, he'll do things that are just absolutely above and beyond, um, you know, like from, uh, I don't know what, like, uh, you know, like having a fan wave like on his foot.
0: (laughs) When he uh, takes the blame for Michael's great Willy Wonka idea, and then uh, Dwight really takes it and is like, yeah, I did it. It was me. And Michael gets upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like i don't know if it's necessarily related to their relationship but when uh, michael michael likes to wake up with the fresh smell of bacon or yeah i think it's bacon and burns his foot on the griddle in the morning that whoever wrote that is a genius because that i mean i wouldn't do it but it was, it was extremely
1: funny yeah exactly In uh how like you know dwight suffers that concussion and just a whole <laughs> bunch of other stuff that i mean it's just like such wild and harebrained ideas that they execute so well on that show like i don't I don't know who
0: was like you know what Dwight Schrute is going to have a, a gnarly beet farm like i don't know where that came from but it, they wor- worked it to a T.
1: yeah absolutely in the stay of Jim and Pam on Schrute farms <laughs> it's just like you know from the bedtime stories to the you know i think they did like beet make beet like you know relish or something <laughs> making
0: yeah and i think you touch on something good there too is the Jim and Pam's relationship, right? Like in the first couple seasons, you're like, Oh, they're definitely thing. And you can't ever tell, you know, if they're going to get together. And then you have obviously the moments where they uh, do get together. And I think there's some, some pretty funny things that happen throughout that course as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of those relationships that everyone wanted to happen eventually. And, you know, uh, I think the fate will, or the, you know, the crowd willed it to happen. And, um, it's a really feel-good story, I feel like. You know, they deserved each other, almost.
0: Yeah, I think one thing I just realized we skipped over is it's a, it's a documentary. Like, they're being... F- the reason why The Office is thing is, like, technically they're being filmed for, like, yeah, a documentary. Which you kind of lose sight of, like, somewhere in the middle. And in the end, that's how they, you know, they kind of wrap it into that it's a documentary. And I kind of forgot about that part, which is very interesting. But Stanley seems to have a very big problem with it.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, when you're, you know, when the guy, the guy's trying to, you know, get his, (laughs) man's trying to eat out here more than his fair share. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so that's, you know, but also, I mean, I feel like a lot of people, you know, I think Dwight's had a problem with it. Michael's had a problem with it. Um, Obviously, Angela's had a problem with it. Oscar (laughs) has had issues with the cameras.
0: I think, yeah, you were mentioning too, the side, like the supporting cast is like, it's not really a supporting cast, they're all like main characters in their own way, and they're all so unique and different, and like Angela compared to Creed, or Creed compared to Andy, or Toby.
1: Yeah, seriously, it's insane the level of depth that each character is colored with and, you know, seemingly gets to share in the limelight and the fact that, you know, everyone is very well um, portrayed and the fact that, you know, nobody's underrepresented, I don't think. And even the ones that are, I would say Toby technically is, but it's like nobody gives a shit. So it's better that way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting, like, the one character that's always unique to me is Creed. And we saw, we read something that Creed's character is based on, the actor who played Creed was in a band called The Grass Roots, and Creed's character is based on the Creed as a band member, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. It seems it's very interesting that and Creed is one of those guys who are very cryptic and almost an enigma. And the fact that you never really know where he's at as far as his head goes, sometimes physically, <laughs> it's just a uh, he's always the mystery. But to to know that that he almost plays himself in a way <laughs> is even more puzzling.
0: <laughs> and I th- the thing I heard is he originally tried out for Michael's. This position is Michael Scott. And, and during the auditioning you know, of the casting, he was so obscure that the casting director had to go, yeah, you need a spot in this show.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's... You see that a lot of the time, too. I mean, we have Rainn Wilson, who plays Dwight, originally, you know, in, um, auditioned for, you know, Michael Scott as well as Jim Halpert. So it's kind of interesting. You see that these... Um, get on the producers of you know, finding these talents and finding the right spots for them, even if they really you know weren't intending to be in that spot in the first place.
0: Yeah, and in terms of finding talent, Phyllis apparently was a casting director for the show who would read lines during the audition. So if you need a female voice in your auditioning, you're going to have a female read it to you. So she did, took that part. And during that process, um, the producers and directors said, you know, the way you read lines you fit into the show perfectly. So we're going to give you this role or fit you into this role.
1: Yeah. And talk about talents. I mean, there's multiple people on the show. You have BJ Novak who plays an, is an actor in the show that also writes as well as other people that contribute to the office, the TV show more than just acting on the screen. And it's just inter- very, very interesting and cool to know of that level of talent that's on it.
0: Yeah. And one thing I, that was most shocking to me is you look at where Jim Halpert or John Krasinski is now when he just came out with A Quiet Place that did very well. But I didn't know he shot the intro scene into The Office. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe he was interested. But I've always wondered why the intro scene was kind of filmed the way it was. And Jim Halpert, that
1: was the filmer. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he was doing some character to building in Scranton, PA himself and tried to really channel it. And that's uh, that's how it happened. But still, very interesting, kind of the obscure things of The Office that, you know, normal people wouldn't know, but it would take some digging to find out.
0: Yeah. And um, I think the term, that's what she said, was really spurred on oh, by The Office. Lord. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was a huge, honestly. If something was to have made an impression on me, like, you know, the most, it's probably the phrase, that's what she said. Uh, obviously, wielded heavily when I was younger, in my younger days. And now it's still, you know, a good tool for comedic reprieve.
0: Yeah. Um, once again, Michael Scott, one of, I don't know how much was improv or what it was, but he was just wielding some phrases around or he just had some quotes that, Really, I don't know where they came from or who wrote them, but they're great. Do you have any quotes that come to mind for you
1: yeah you uh <laughs> you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take Wayne gretzky, Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly like I don't know whose idea it was to take someone else's quote and then you know Michael Scott would put his name under there it yeah. worked perfectly I like the one I don't know if it's culturally appropriate anymore but the one where he talks about um your like friends don't you don't call friends
1: retarded when Oh <laughs> uh, yeah he says uh no you call you don't call, <laughs> uh, yeah. basically saying you don't call mentally, you know, me- cognitively disabled people retarded. You call your friends retarded when they're acting. <laughs> yeah. It's just really bad.
0: Yeah. He's super good hearted. Um, I guess another one that comes up to me, which Jordan and I kind of talked about a little before, but someone wrote a line that <laughs> Michael Scott walks into the office and l- l- loudly yells, I declare bankruptcy as if that's how you declare bankruptcy. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I mean, I think that's that's kind of helps solidify my idea of Michael Scott as in this guy who unwaveringly does not question his, his compass inside of his own head and, you know, wondering if that compass is off skew a little bit and has the truest intentions but also has the truest, like, deficiencies and holes in his understanding of the world. Um, and now that can be shown when he decides, when he thinks it's a good idea
0: to go start his own company, um, which doesn't turn out very well, works at a call center, which is a very unique series of events. But um, kind of in closing. What do you think about the rumor about them coming back with the office with a mix of new and old characters?
1: So I've heard of that rumor. And um, from the last I heard of it, it was false but let's just say in this hypothetical podcast that it was true. I'd be pretty eager to see kind of how the th- they do that. Because, I mean, with a lot of things, I'm going to give movies as an example. The original is always probably better than the sequel. And so I think that as The Office is being such a bona fide and well-followed thing, it would, be, it would take a lot for them to have something that meets the standard of the original. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. And, I mean, the rumor is that, like, Steve Carell wouldn't be in it. I would assume John Krasinski probably wouldn't be in it. Um, And maybe a few other characters. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's just Steve Carell is not in it and you have, you know... But I guess Jim's in Philadelphia, so... It'd be a weird dynamic there but yeah i agree i don't know if it should be try to be retouched it was just so timely at the time and appropriately written and just kind of you know the first in the door just killed it i don't want to see like you know a legacy of a new office and it just kind of you know ruins it or
1: yeah one thing that i would be open to is like maybe a dwight spinoff or something that would be something i'm probably could get down to but you know (laughs) That's That would be, I would think, better than a recreation of The Office itself, because Dwight is such a character that you know him really well, but at the same time, you don't. <laughs> Jim and Angela's beat farm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: if you haven't seen The Office, I would definitely give it a shot. Like The weird thing is, there is a loose storyline, but realistically, you could pretty much jump into any episode you wanted to see if you enjoyed it and then restart it's easy to watch the episodes are like 20 to some of them the longer ones are like 40 minutes but mostly like 22 minutes um it's on netflix it's probably on who it's probably on a ton of different places so it's out there for you to watch if uh if
1: you're looking for a new comedy yeah exactly i i would say give it a watch and it's uh it's worth just a couple episodes and i mean it's just good laughs really
0: yeah, um, if you like The Office or you have other you know comedies or TV shows you're interested in or think we might be interested in, shoot us an email at theoffthetoppodcast at gmail dot com. We're on twelve platforms from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, iTunes, a ton of different places. So if you know where to find us. Any closing words?
1: Mm, no, thanks for listening, guys. I Really appreciate it. Bears beats. Battlestar Galactica later. <laughs>